This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 227. So, as all of you know already, if you've been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, I recently switched from Canon RF to Fujifilm X-Series camera systems. I acquired two X-T4s as well as an X-E4, and I have a few lenses now. My X-T4s came as kits, so I got the XF 16-80mm F4, and the other kit came with the XF 18-55. Now, I also went online and bought the Rokinon Manual 12mm F2.8, and I decided to try a couple of lenses from Mikey, M-E-I-K-E, such as their 28mm f2.8 and their 35mm f1.7. Now, the Rokinon and the XF lenses are superb, of course, as both Fujifilm and Rokinon slash Samyang have been making lenses for quite some time. The Mikey lenses are interesting as they are not only very wide aperture at f2.8 and f1.7, but they are also super inexpensive at only $69 a piece. Now, in this episode, I'm going to post some of my recent images with the X-Series using these various lenses, so you can check that out in the show notes for yourself. Now, I have all three of my new bodies set up the way that I like to shoot, and I've been trying to get out on my days off and shoot some of the local stuff in the area, some interesting things. Now, as you know, my wife Tina and I moved to Roxborough, North Carolina last April, and I've been trying to find some cool places to shoot up here. I knew Atlanta really well, and some of its best photo spots and now I have to learn up here all over again. I think some of my shooting will require some significant driving, but I am also going to look into places across the border into southern Virginia, as we're extremely close to the state of Virginia as well, where we currently live. So I was doing some online research into various lenses for the X-Series and I was surprised and delighted to find out that Viltrox is now making lenses for the X-Mount. And they have four models currently on the market, which all have full autofocus. They offer a 23mm f1.4, which is 35mm full-frame equivalent, which would be great for street photography. They also have a 33mm f1.4, which is a 50mm full-frame equivalent, which I have got to have as that lens is extremely popular and I use it for a lot of my photography. Now, in addition, they do offer a 56mm 1.4, which is the 85mm full-frame equivalent, and they also have an 85mm 1.4, 
which is close to 135 millimeters in full frame format, which, as you already know, is one of the most popular portrait lens focal lengths. Now, I've watched quite a few reviews online about these various lenses, and I think I may buy all four of them eventually. The beauty part is all of the lenses are under $400, with the 33 millimeter being the least expensive, so I am ordering that one this week once my paycheck hits. Now, I also need to get battery grips for the two X-T4s, as I have that large international project that I'm shooting for, for a client, and need the extended battery grip life, or battery life with the grips, for when I'm out shooting all day. Now, from researching online, I saw that the battery grip for the older X-T2 allowed you to use three batteries in total at the same time. And that battery grip even off offers a boost mode for higher frame rates when you're shooting continuously. The one for the X-T4 apparently offers a boost as well from talking to some of the folks in some of the Fuji X-Series forums that I'm in on Facebook. Now, the X-T4 already is fast at 30 frames per second with the electronic shutter. The interesting thing is, as it turns out, Fujifilm's grips don't install into the battery bay like they do on the Canons. Instead, the upright portion of the grip that you see in the images slides up in front of the camera body on the right-hand side, giving you a beefier hand grip. And you still keep a single battery in the body, and then when you attach the grip, which holds two batteries, you have three in total, which is, to me, that's just a game changer. That's incredible battery life, especially for when you're out shooting all day long. Now, I'm not going to say it's gospel, but according to the specs, each battery for an X-T4 is supposed to be good for up to 600 shots on a charge. So with three batteries at once, I should be able to get upwards of 1,800 shots before I would need to change batteries, which is absolutely amazing. I couldn't get that much battery life with a Canon with the battery grip. Now, another thing that I came upon when doing research on Fujifilm and best setup options, I came across the X-Series forum at www.fujix-forums.com. And on a banner ad that was running at the top of the page, I found out about an ebook that's all about the X series by a photographer named Dan Bailey. And the ebook is called X Series Unlimited. And since he's been shooting with Fujifilm since the beginning of the X series, his book is about 400 pages of absolutely amazing information on the X-Series cameras, what they can do, how to set various options. He covers every X-Series camera from the X100 line to the X10 to the X-T10 and up to the X-T1, 2, 3, and 4. 
Now, I can absolutely highly recommend his ebook for anyone that wants to learn all they can about their X-Series camera and how to best set it up and use it. And you can find Dan's book at the link in the show notes. It's at danbaileyphoto.com slash blog slash product slash x-series-unlimited. And it's only $27. And trust me, it is money well spent to get his ebook. With his ebook, you're going to know all that you need to know about X-Series cameras. And Dan is even nice enough to update his ebook each time a new X-Series body comes out so that the current edition covers even the X, X-E4, the XS10, and the X-T4. So the current version covers all of those new bodies. Now, I know I haven't had much luck getting anyone to come on and talk about the X-Series system as of yet. And being that I just switched, I don't want to try and talk about it myself as I don't feel I could do the system complete justice. Now, luckily, I was able to get in touch with Dan, and he is willing to come on the show and talk about the X-Series. So mark your calendars as that that episode will be coming the second or the third week of March. So stay tuned for that. Now, one thing I can speak to personally is that I really love shooting with my new X-Series cameras. The film simulations are absolutely fantastic. And I can see now why so many X-Series shooters say they shoot JPEG only, as you can bake the film simulations right in and save yourself any post-processing as well as saving memory card and hard drive space. Now, for me personally, I still prefer to shoot RAW and add the film simulations in post using Capture One Pro 22, as that software is optimized for the Fujifilm X-Trans sensor, way more so than Lightroom is. Now, I haven't shot a ton with the cameras just yet. So I have not run into any of the worm artifact issues as of yet. But from what I've read, they're caused by using too much sharpening. And I sharpen my images very little, if at all, in post. Now, the overall design of the X-T4 especially is really well thought out. With its magnesium alloy construction and the textured coating, that allows you to get a secure grip on the body without worrying about slipping out of your hands and dropping the camera, which is a really, really important thing. And if you bear with me, I'm going to take a break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag 
hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. All right, and we're back. So the XE4 does have more of a smooth finish. But by adding an optional grip, like I did, I picked one up on Amazon, you can hold that body much more securely as well. And the grip works pretty much the same way as it does on my GFX50R. It's a combination of uh, L-bracket and grip in one. And the upright portion of the grip slides up in the front on the right-hand side of the camera body on the exterior and gives you more of a bump to hold on to because the XE4 doesn't really have a bump at all by default. So that absolutely comes in handy. Now, the weather sealing on the X-T4 is top-notch. And as a matter of fact, in one of his YouTube videos, Dan talks about how on one of his shoots, it was about 20 degrees colder than what Fujifilm says in their specs is the cold weather allowance for the camera. And yet his X-T kept shooting with absolutely no issues. And now on one of his trips, his Nikon got wet because water got past one of the dials on top, and his Nikon stopped working. But his Fujifilm, which also got wet, kept chugging away in those same extreme weather conditions. And the thing is, the Nikon body he was using, the D850, is supposed to be a weather-sealed body. But apparently, Nikon's weather sealing is not quite as good as Fuji's. And I'm not saying that to bash Nikon. I'm just stating facts. Now, Dan, like myself, was not originally a Fujifilm shooter. He shot Nikon for a long time. And he wasn't willing to totally commit until the X-Line came out with what he needed, a tough, durable body that could also handle high-speed continuous shooting. So when the X-Line came out, he finally parted, or X-T-Line, I should say, he finally parted with all of his Nikon gear and went all in with Fujifilm. Now, unlike me, Dan was lucky enough to have high-level contacts at Fujifilm, and he was able to borrow several of their bodies and lenses over the years to try them out. And he was even the first X-Series ambassador, which is impressive. Fujifilm has even used quite a few of Dan's images for marketing material for their various camera bodies over the years. From watching his part four in his X-Series videos, I believe that he might have even also licensed some of his images to Apple for the Mac OS operating system. As one or two of the wallpapers in a version of Mac OS looks to be one of his aerial landscapes that he used for a background in his video. It was identical to the one in the Mac operating system. So that was interesting as well. Now, I haven't had a chance to confirm that with him, and I will when he comes on the show. So it looks to me like some of his images have not only been licensed by Fuji, but possibly also by Apple, which is really cool. Now, something that I learned from reading Dan's ebook is that the Fujifilm cameras also have way more customization than Canon or anything else that I've used in the past. If I remember correctly from his video, the X-T4 has 14 function controls 
that can all be customized to your liking. Additionally, they also allow you to save up to seven custom setting presets in camera. But you do have to switch between them using the menu or a pre-programmed button or dial on the camera. There are no dedicated C positions on the top dial, like on my Canon gear. You know, the Canons usually had C1 and C2. Some of the models had C1, C2, C3. Right there on the mode dial. Now, Fujifilm does allow you to add more to a custom shooting preset as well, because in addition to saving the ISO, the shutter speed, and the aperture, you can also save items such as film simulation that you want to use in that particular custom preset. The entire range of items that you can set in the custom settings are as follows. Dynamic range, film simulation, grain effect, white balance, highlight tone, shadow tone, color, sharpness, and noise reduction. So as you can see, the custom presets on the Fujifilm cameras are way more advanced than on any other brand. And they give you a ton more control over your images with a quick switch of the custom slots from one to seven. Once you save your custom presets, you can even give them a custom name, such as landscape, portrait, street, studio, etc. And in that way, you don't have to remember which one is which. You can use meaningful names to refresh your memory. Now, one additional thing that I wanted to mention is another reason Fujifilm cameras are so popular. And that is many of the Fujifilm lenses have a physical aperture ring to adjust the aperture. Now, what this does is it allows quick and easy manual control of your aperture when shooting. And they do even include an A position on the aperture ring to set the lens to electronic control of the aperture using a designated command dial on the camera body itself. The Rokadon lens that I have is an all-manual lens, so of course it has an aperture ring. But the AF model does not, so it can only be controlled using the command dial. Even some of the other third-party makers are offering the aperture ring on their lenses. Three of the four Viltrox lenses have an aperture ring, the 23, the 33, and the 56. But for some reason, they left it out on the 85 millimeter lens, which I find a little bit odd. Now, Sigma and Tamron are also starting to make lenses for the X-mount. The first Tamron lens is the 18 to 300 millimeter f3.5 to 6.3, and it does not have an aperture ring at all. Sigma just announced this week their entry into the X mount lenses, and their first lenses are going to be the 16 millimeter, the 30 millimeter, and the 56 millimeter, as well as a uh, fourth one in 18 to 50. The first three are all f1.4. And the last one is an f2.8, and none of them have aperture rings. Now, for me, as far as I'm concerned, I'm fine with lenses that have no aperture ring, as most lenses haven't had them for quite some time on any camera system. 
But many of the ex-shooters feel that no aperture ring is a deal breaker. And they won't buy any lens that doesn't have one. Now, don't get me wrong. I do love the aperture ring as well at times. But I do find them an annoying an annoyance as well when you're removing a lens from a Fujifilm body. Now, Fuji, for whatever reason, put the release button on the right side of the camera instead of the left like Canon does, which it takes a little bit of getting used to. But I say an annoyance on the aperture ring as generally when you're removing a lens, you end up messing up whatever aperture setting you have the lens set to. So you always have to check it the next time you install the lens on a body. On the converse, if your lens only has electronic aperture control, you don't have to worry about that. When you reinstall the lens, the aperture goes to whatever value you used last on the camera, if the lens is capable of it. So wrapping up this episode, things are going very well with my move to the Fujifilm X-Series. And I am really enjoying having cameras that have physical dials on the top deck and all the wonderful Fujifilm film simulations that allow me to capture as if I'm shooting film again without the cost and the hassle of film development. I'm sure my journey going forward will be a creative one and lots of fun. And I'm looking forward to many years of shooting with Fujifilm, both their X and their GFX systems. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 227 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. I also wanted to remind you to please stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops, and I will see you all again on Sunday for the latest news and rumors.